Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Here's my favorite rant for the day, excerpted from our podcast, which you can find over at TomHartman.com. Okay, everybody, we are back on the Tom Hartman program. This is Richard R.J. Escow sitting in for Tom. If you want to know more about me, my program is The Zero Hour with R.J. Escow. This is the Zero hour.com or you can find me at ourfuture.org in this hour we're going to talk at least at the top of the hour about a very different story but i think an important one that has gotten underreported and yet has significance even beyond uh, the case itself and that is the case of nur salman nur Salman is the uh, widow of the Pulse shooter, and she on Friday was acquitted of charges that she was complicit in his act of violence. There are uh, many overtones to this story, and our next guest has written about it, I think, and touched on a number of those issues. Maha Ahmed is a journalist and a fellow with The Intercept. Her piece on Nora Salman was entitled The Prosecution of Nora Salman, Pulse Shooter's Widow, highlights the criminalization of domestic abuse survivors, and she joins us now. So first of all, Maha, thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. And secondly, um, it seems that at least in the end, uh, justice was done. Would you uh, agree with that statement? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I'm glad for Noor and her family that the acquittal ended up happening. So uh, let's talk about, but let's talk about why the trial happened, because uh, a lot of people felt this is a prosecution that never should have taken place. There was some surprise. Uh, What was Noor Salman charged with exactly? Yeah, so she was charged with aiding and abetting the support of a foreign terrorist organization, which in this case was ISIS, and also for obstructing justice for lying for allegedly lying to the FBI. And she was, uh, if I remember 
correctly, but please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, she was actually kept in isolation. She was questioned for extended periods of time by the FBI. Uh, I think she, there was discussion. I don't think she signed a confession, but I think there, they, FBI claimed that she had made a confession. I'm not sure exactly what the sequence of events is. Maybe you can fill it in. Yeah, so immediately after the shooting took place, the FBI kept Noor in an interrogation for about 17 hours without an attorney present. They didn't read her, her Miranda rights. Um, and the confession that was one of the key pieces of evidence that the trial hinged on was actually written by the FBI agent that was questioning her and not Noor herself. So there was a lot. Uh, there was a lot that uh, was questionable about this case. But one of the things you did in your reporting on it, which I thought was uh, was really important, was you tied it to the whole issue of uh, domestic abuse survivors, which she most clearly was, and and you established that case that that uh, the shooter Omar Mateen, his previous wife, uh, told horrific stories of abuse. Uh, Nor Salman's family told stories of abuse. And uh, apparently it's not unusual for a woman who has suffered this kind of abuse to wind up uh, herself being prosecuted, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I think it's definitely way more commonplace than most people know for an abuse victim to be not only arrested for and charged with, but actually sentenced to prison time for um, crimes that her abuser actually committed. And I mean, I've spoken to numerous legal and legislative advocates, former attorneys, some of whom have been working with uh, incarcerated abuse victims for decades, and they've all described seeing dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of cases like Noor's. And I mean, I think Noor's case was unique in the sense that it was uh, focusing on an alleged act of terrorism as opposed to what is more common, which is felony murder or assault charges or drug-related charges that abuse victims end up uh, being charged with for things that their abusers did. And there aren't good statistics to measure the exact phenomenon, but we do know that the vast majority of women in prisons and jails around the country were in fact abuse victims prior to their incarceration. And when I try to sort of tease this out in my own mind, and again, we're talking with Maha Ahmed of The Intercept, <clears throat> when I try to tease this out in my own mind, uh, I wonder, you know, there are multiple factors that could be in play. One is just straight up sexism that somehow she's the woman, she must have known, uh, the husband is the head of the family, that kind of, and uh, she must have been subordinate to him and helping him in some way. Another is that it seems to me that maybe prosecutors and judges and juries don't understand the nature of abuse and the fact that it could be they that they may be thinking well if i knew that uh someone in my family was uh was planning a crime i'd tell somebody not understanding that to live uh, under severe domestic abuse is to live in constant and abject terror a lot of the time where you literally uh, don't feel you have that option and probably don't have the option because you're being watched you're being monitored you're being beaten and so on is that is that kind of what we're seeing in a lot of these cases yeah i definitely think that that's a 
huge, huge part of it. I think in a lot of these cases, people ask, you know, why didn't they go to the police earlier um, if abuse victims had reported the actions of their partner to the authorities and the whole crime could have been prevented or so many lives could have been saved. But I think what people don't realize is that for so many, if not most, abuse victims, that even if they do know about what their partners are doing or planning on doing, what's at the forefront of their mind every single day is just trying to survive as best they can. And I mean, in a lot of cases when victims do end up even going to the authorities, they either get swept up and arrested anyway, or they, you know, aren't believed. So I think that that's something that we have to keep in mind when thinking about these sorts of cases. And it seems to me, uh, we're going to run out of time shortly, but it seems to me that we also need to educate judges, juries, prosecutors, defense attorneys, and the public at large that uh, abused women are not collaborators. They are fellow victims when a crime takes place. We got about 30 seconds. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you that it's a matter of making especially prosecutors aware of the role that abuse plays. But I also want to emphasize that while I'm glad that the acquittal, that Noor Salman's acquittal happened, it's definitely rare. There are so many abuse victims who are defendants in less high-profile cases that don't benefit from the level of media scrutiny that this case got. And they're either awaiting trial or in courtrooms right now or sitting in prisons. And I think they deserve a similar level of justice that Noor Salman was able to get on Friday. Well said. And let us not forget that Nora Salman also endured many months of terrible treatment for a crime she did not commit. And that's an injustice, too. So Maha Ahmed of uh, The Intercept, journalist and fellow at The Intercept, uh, thanks for the great reporting and thanks for coming on the program. And for the rest of you, I would just say this. Sexism takes many, many forms. And while uh, the debate has often been about sexism in the workplace, sexism among uh, executives, business people, lean in, uh, that sort of thing, uh, we need to talk about how sexism affects uh, the most needy of us as well. We will be right back after this. I'm Richard R.J. Askow sitting in for Tom on the Tom Hartman program.